Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Well, thank you. It's like, wow, the morning is here. For those of you who have prepared for teaching before, it's quite the journey. I'll tell you that right now. But the morning is here and God is with us. So that is a wonderful thing. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, it is um, truly, truly my honor to be here with you guys. Um, I'm going to get started because there's a lot of material to cover. So here we go. Um, okay, so I have, uh, I do have, te- I do have teaching notes that we're going to share with you. They will come on the HeartStrong website, but I will also be using some visuals and Lee's will uh, put those in the chat um, in a little bit. So our, um, our theme for this month, as Pastor Terry mentioned, was a disciplined body. That could be uh, something that really convicts us, but also something that could make us quite, uh, make us laugh. But uh, the discipline is a, uh, the, is a, for the month is a disciplined body, which is really important. Um, and it's so aptly described in our memory verse. I see this as embracing the importance of and being blessed from having a disciplined way of life as we follow the ways of our Lord Jesus Christ, being disciples of Christ, where we abide, follow, and practice in his ways. So that is, that is what our mission here is, right? We're on, we're, God has us here on mission to abide and follow and practice. So our memory verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, let's read it together. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are, were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Awesome. 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 So for opening prayer, I'd like to call on my sister, Judy, who's going to help me out. Judy, could you open us in prayer, please? Thank you, Glenda. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day as we gather together to celebrate you and to hear your word. As we approach the final chapters of Exodus, help us reflect on all you did for Moses and the Israelites Mm -hmm. and give thanks for all you do for us. Bless Glenda as she guides us through Exodus chapter 35 and 36. All honor and glory to you, Lord, our Holy Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my sweet sister. Well, I will tell you, um, at this moment, I'm excited and honored, like I said, to be here teaching with you today and tomorrow. But I will say, when Pastor Terry asked me to teach, he said we were teaching the book of Exodus, uh, Leviticus, which, to be perfectly frank, I was really hesitant to step forward into. I honestly don't know a lot about the book of Leviticus other than I've read it. Um, and I knew it was just, quote, Leviticus. 
But to my surprise, he assigned me the last of Exodus instead. So hence my excitement and frankly, relief. Um, I'll be praying for all those who are teaching uh, Leviticus and Numbers next, believe me. So the um, resources that I used to bring all this together was the ISV Study Bible, the Blue Letter uh, Bible, the Bible Project. I also looked at sandyadams.org, all of his teachings, as well as through the Word, website, um, websites, Growing Christians, Tough Questions, and Pastor Skip Heidsig, who I highly recommend. It is teachings. Rose Publishing Aids, and most importantly, most importantly, prayer and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a small testimony to share to start. Um, I started my research shortly after being assigned these chapters. And what I saw was chapters 35 to 38, which are kind of a repeat of 25 to 31. I thought, hmm, how do I do this? How do I teach? And what am I teaching? Because we've read it all before. But I did readings and listened to these teachings and looked at a lot of vis vis visuals. I took copies of visuals for my own, and I used these as I really poured through the chapters and looked at the details. When I study, I take lots of notes. I make lots of pictures, which you guys know that are on the off season, and I write. Um, so you can probably imagine I amassed a mass of paperwork in front of me. And I have to tell you, um, uh, though I was loving seeing what the Holy Spirit was showing me for the first time through the study of the tabernacle, it was amazing, wonderful insights and truths that I'd never seen before or never been exposed to. I then found out Dan Corto was teaching 25 to 31. And I have to admit, I was intimidated, not a little, but a, a lot. This smart, wise, well-educated academic man in the field of theology was teaching and then little old me. And then when Dan taught, the intimidation did not go away. A lot of people reassured me when I told them my concerns and I reassured myself and I prayed and I prayed, but I have to admit, it all became very overwhelming uh, with stressors going on in my life recently. Last week was a challenging week indeed. And when Dan finished Thursday, I, it was a bit, uh, I was in a bit of a state all day. I felt like I'd been battered around like a person in a life preserver in a tsunami. I felt like quitting, honestly. Um, I just didn't think I could do it. I prayed and prayed. I prayed. I prayed a lot more. And then I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what? Just take it away from me. Take it over. Give me a way I can excuse my way out of this or take it away, or at least take it over completely, like completely, because I I give up. I managed to get to sleep that night, and going to sleep, I prayed, and I really didn't know how it was going to go forward, but I just said, Holy Spirit, give me peace. Um, I don't know what to do with this paper in front of me, um, and all this information, and all these emotions. So um, guess what? I mean, the Holy Spirit met me. God met me the next morning. Man, oh man, I had my answer. I had the key. I had the instructions I was needed. It, sir, it was served to me like it was on a gold platter. As soon as I was conscious, all I heard in my mind, all I heard, I wasn't even awake. It was in my mind. It was in powerful imprint that said, show the pictures, show the pictures, show the pictures. And I kept repeating, show the pictures. So that's what I'm going to do with you today. I'm going to show you pictures. I'm going to show you on screen. Lisa's going to help me out, and she's going to um, advance my slides. I'm going to show you the pictures and the information that I collected with you today. 
Um, and why? Because I was told to. I was told that's the way to share it. Um, thankfully, um, I'm so grateful for these insights and how it came to me because it's like this 5,000 piece puzzle came together and it came together in my heart and my mind. Um, so now I can truly, truly see and appreciate how all these visuals and prayer helped me. That is just, it's just an amazing, another, another step forward in my life with God. I hope it helps you understand too. Understand the details we're going to get into because there's a lot of details in ex the last chapters of Exodus again. And I want to make sure that we always are able to connect these to the bigger picture from God. Okay, so here we go. So we're going to cover Exodus 35 to 38, but I'm also going to dive into 39 and 40 as well as a bit of a bonus for you all because that's your reading for the weekend. But I thought it only fitting to finish the book of Exodus together because we started it together and connect all these six important chapters and give them the honor they're due. Uh, I didn't feel right for me to leave, um, to leave off at the end of 38, to leave off that ending of Exodus where God himself comes to dwell in the Holy of Holies with his people. Our key verse speaks of the importance of um, understanding our bodies as a temple for the Holy Spirit in each of us. So it's the place of tabernacling with the Holy Spirit. So God, we're going to finish with God. So in chapters 25 to 31, I'm going to start a summary now. We see God giving Moses careful instructions on how to build and erect the tabernacle and all of its contents and the ways of worship. Remember in Exodus 25, 9, God says, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the temple and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. And chapters 35 to 40, it records the steps Moses takes to convey these instructions, and it speaks of the obedience of God's people to carry them out. In between these two sections are chapters 32 to 34, which we just covered. Pastor Terry and Mal walked us through that so brilliantly. Um, um, but I want to point out these chapters form a parenthetical section in the book of Exodus. They interrupt the revelation of the law that Moses was given on Mount Sinai. It's almost like a pause, an interlude. In these chapters, we learn what was happening at the base camp while Moses was on the summit for 40 days. On the mountaintop, Moses was basking in God's truth and presence, while at the base of the mountain, trouble was brewing. Sandy Adams' notes says, if you want an outline for the last half at Exodus, here it is the truth above, the trouble below, and the tent between. In fact, that this is the outline for all human history, the truth of God above, the truth with sin below, and the place where a troubled man can be reconciled to a truthful God at the true tabernacle, Jesus Christ. Above all, this is what the tabernacle is in the wilderness foreshadowed, the person and work of Jesus. John 1, 14, John draws on this symbolism when he says of Jesus, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's the tree of life version. And in Hebrews 10, 19 to 20, it makes this statement. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Here we learn that the veil that divided the tabernacle prefigured the torn and crucified body of Christ. In fact, the tabernacle material 
furniture, configuration, all speak of Jesus. So now let's do a quick overview of the book of Exodus. So if you look at Exodus, first chapters 1 to 13, God meets Moses, Israel exits Egypt. Then we move into 14 to 18, the Israel's rebels, Israelites rebel. And we move into the covenant laws and the commands that were shared in 19 to 24. And then the commands for the building the tabernacle in 25 to 31. But as we just went through, the Israelites rebel again in 32 to 34. On the right-hand side, for my own, I wanted to understand the, um, how the attitude, the posture of the people coming into Exodus 35. So when you look at the, the table on the right, from bottom to top, it's all the major events that happened in 32 to 34. Starting, you know, Moses going to Mount Sinai and concluding at the very top with Moses displaying God's glory on his face and then the people having the fear of the Lord. So now we're in 35 to 40 where the tabernacle is built and God enters. So as we move on, I want to, in summary, we're going to look at four big picture reasons why the tabernacle is so important. The tabernacle was God's dwelling place on earth. Heaven is God's throne, but the tabernacle, it was God's footstool. For 500 years, the tabernacle was the one designated meeting place between man and God. As Dan said last week, it was a divine channel connecting heaven and earth. According to Hebrews 9, 23 to 24, the tabernacle was a small scale model of heaven. If you want to know what we'll see in heaven, a study of the tabernacle provides a great view. Point three, the tabernacle gives us insights into how we should approach God. The tabernacle had but one gate, and there's only one way to God through Jesus. Just inside the outer court, you came straight to the altar of sacrifice. We too become fit for God's presence. Only when we trust in the sacrifice of Jesus, we grow in our relationship with God by studying the tabernacle. And the last reason we should study the tabernacle, as mentioned, is that it speaks to us of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It was God's dwelling place on earth, as was Jesus. It was unattractive on the outside, but beautiful on the inside, just like Jesus, as we see in Isaiah 53. It was the one place where man could meet with God, as was Jesus. It's where sacrifice for sin was made, and Jesus was an, our ultimate sacrifice. It was at the center of the camp, and Jesus should be at the center of our lives. And you had to pass through the tribe of Judah to enter the tabernacle. Judah camped just outside the gate. Likewise, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah as well. So I've summarized a comparison of topics between 25 to, 30, um, to 31 and 35 to 40, which I'm not going to go in detail. The key points here are, in 25 to 31, as I mentioned earlier, it's God's instructions to Moses for his people, and his people were to follow them exactly. And 35 to 40, it is the building and completion of God's plan. It's, it required sacrifice from willing hearts, obedience, and discipline to follow God's instruction. So as you can understand, the tabernacle is an integral part of God's plan and the big deal to God. And I'll note, 50 chapters in the Bible are dedicated to the details of the tabernacle, 50. And we're just starting to review them. There's so much more to come. 
The next few slides um, pictures are pictures, they're illustrations that we're gonna to take to zoom in for a little bit of a closer look. The next one is an artist's rendering of the tabernacle and the encampment. So as you can see, this was a big camp. Um, the encampment itself, we're gonna look at all of that in numbers. Our focus is going to be right at the center, just as I mentioned a minute ago. Jesus is at the center and the tabernacle is right at the center. Next, you see a closer look at the tabernacle. And again, it's an artistic rendering. Notice there's no door at the front. There's curtains at the entrance. It is enclosed completely, but made of materials that could be assembled, disassembled, and carried to a new site. We're going to talk a lot about that. It had an outer court um, or courtyard and a tent. From this picture, you get a sense of the activity that's happening on the outside of the tabernacle in the courtyard where people entered. And the next one is a diagram of the tabernacle, which I was drawn to, to gain a view of the dimensions. They're all noted in cubits, cubits in the scripture, that's 18 inches, um, the exactness of length, width, and height, and placement of structures and objects is critical. And again, all of this just blew me away when I learned the reasons why. Not only from when it was erected the first time, but every time. And notice the compass notation as well. Like other elements of the tabernacle, this east gate of the court was rich with meaning. God ordered that the tabernacle was to be set up the gate was always to be on the east side, opening to the west. Going west symbolizes moving towards God. Going east symbolizes going away from God. The gate on the Garden of Eden was on the east side, as we saw in Genesis 3.24. The good reason why they say go west, young man. Keep going. Go, go towards God. Um, so slide eight is another view, and this is a more detailed one again. So we're zooming in, showing the relational dimensions, and now the objects, and where they were placed in the courtyard and tabernacle. Can you imagine, I was blown away when I kind of thought about what the complete parts list or inventory list looked like to make all these objects and to assemble everything. It just blows my mind. We're going to get more into this with the other chapters and verses that we're going to read. So now we're going to get into Bible reading. So let's go to chapter 35. So Moses assembled in verse one, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. It's not the first time we hear Moses communicates the Sabbath laws, but here its placement makes its mention significant. Moses is about to organize and mobilize for tabernacle construction, but even work of such monumental importance is no reason to slough off the Sabbath. I think it's important to remember the ending of chapter 34. That's why I look there, where the people witnessed the glory of God that shone in Moses' face, and they were filled with the fear of the Lord and thankfulness for his grace and mercy. We are starting this chapter here with this as their posture. And notice the warning, whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. With their posture now, this would have been taken very seriously. 
We're going to continue on verses four, where we're going to see the materials that were called uh, to be uh, part of the free offering, free will offering. So in verse four, Moses said to the congregation of people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen, goats, goat's hair, tanned ramskins and goatskins and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Notice to, um, to all of our giving, a note to the key to all of our giving is a willing and generous heart. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give to God, let's do it freely and generously. After all, it was all God's in the first place, and it still is. So the next um, depiction is just a colorful view of the tabernacle itself. And you can see some of the important objects that are included, and also some text on the materials used. This picture, you can actually find this picture if you want in your ESV study Bible on page 208. Um, but I'm also showing four coverings of the tent separately, mentioned in verse uh, six and seven. The placement of these objects is intentional, and we will look at these tomorrow. Um, okay, so just so you have that picture of what's inside the tabernacle and the coverings. So now let's continue on to verses 10 to 19, which describes the construction and makeup of the tabernacle and the surrounding courtyard, but also includes the tabernacle objects. So let, uh, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tents, its coverings, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen, the table, table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light, and its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. The altar of the burnt offering with its grate of bronze, its poles and all its utensils and the basin and its stand. The hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases and the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. The idea here um, is that not one single item is left out. Every detail mattered to God. And as we have read, it had to be exact and it all had to be accounted for always. The construction of the tabernacle should teach us that details matter to God. We may think something is trivial or unimportant, but is it to God? God is in the details. And I was also struck, struck by something Dan said last week. The details from God mattered in precision to protect them. All of this was put in place because it's where heaven and earth would connect God to his people. The little details all together provided the greatest hedge of protection for them as, as well 
It combined the needed materials and rituals to safely enter and to be in his presence. So we're gonna to go to verses 20 to 29. So we're gonna come back to the materials needed and what the people collected to give. Then all the congregation of the people of Moses departed from the presence of Moses and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its service and for the holy garments. And so they came both men and women all who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings, signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat's hair or rams, um, tanned ram skins or goat skins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution and everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with their hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skin spun the goat's hair. And all the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and the breastplate, and the spices for the oil of the light, and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Can you imagine the wealth that this represented? Some com commentators estimate the value at over $10 million. Man, there was a lot of stuff written about that and all these math equations, whatever. But whatever it was, we know it was valuable, it's immeasurable. Um, in these verses, we hear again the repeated mention that they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him. Again, with the events that unfolded in chapters 32 to 34, the Israelites were left with, that were left were committed, devoted, and they truly feared the Lord. So they brought all these materials knowing everyone was called, everyone was called for and everyone was needed. So the materials that were needed, um, would, the materials were needed, but more significantly, these materials have divine meaning. Span, uh, Dan spoke of this last week too. They all represent something about Jesus Christ and his atonement and point forward to him. Gold, which speaks of glory, silver, redemption, bronze or brass judgment, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod of the breastplate. These expensive jewels stood for the tribes of Israel. And even today, God sees each of his people as precious stones and, and expensive jewels. We are his valuables. Fine linen, which is holiness, acacia wood, humanity, oil for the light, the Holy Spirit, spices for the anointing oil and spices for the sweet incense, both should remind us of prayer. The blue represents heaven, purple, royalty. Scarlet thread reminds us of the sacrificial blood, goat's hair, atonement, ram skin dyed red, substitution, and badger skins, humanity, and the outward appearance of Jesus. Wow. So now continuing with verses 30 to the end of chapter 35. It speaks of the construction of the tabernacle. In verse 30, 
Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, and the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for settings and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. And he inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the Dan of tribe. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroidery in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen or by a weaver or by any sort of workman or skilled designer. God gave Bezalel supernatural spiritual gifts that enabled him to work with wood and metal and stones and for artistic, crafting artistic designs. So craftsmanship can be a spiritual tool, gift. A similar gift was given to a holy ab. Notice also engraving and sewing and needlepoint were spiritual gifts. And it's significant that Bezalel was of the tribe of Judah and Aholiab, the tribe of Dan. Neither was a priest, a Levite. They represented the ordinary person. They didn't preach, they didn't sing, they didn't prophesy, yet they were gifted to serve the Lord in practical ways. Maybe God has given you the gift to be an electrician, painting, or being a mechanic, a chef, a hostess, or managing people. These gifts can be just as inspired by the Holy Spirit as leading worship or teaching a Bible study and just as needed in the full body of Christ. The gifts, talents, and skills we have are what we can offer to God daily in his kingdom service in every type of work we do. So tomorrow we will begin chapters 36 and continue. We're not going to do 36 today, the way it's packaged. It's just all going to come together tomorrow. So if you could read these chapters, because I won't be reading all the details on 36 and 40 tomorrow. A lot of these details were um, covered exactly, exactly in 25 to 31. So we're not going to read them in detail, but I will go through every single one of, the, one of them and their importance. Um, so my slides should be posted in the chat if you want to download them and view them. And you can use them in your reading if you want for um, the, the, the remaining chapters. So as we come to a close, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had together. I thank you so much. Um, and we thank you that you give us this time and all of our time each and every day. We thank you for Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit and your presence within us. As we are learning about the tabernacle and the Old and New Testaments, it's impressing on our hearts and minds the importance of, of caring for your dwelling place in each of us. This, these earthly vessels, our bodies, your temples. May we surrender to your will, trust in you for all things, and rest in the spiritual transformation work you are doing in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. 
Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.